Hey fam, welcome to Big Brother and the Hodling Company, the podcast about music and Web3 trying to fend off Big Brother. I'm McKeegan Boyce. Today I spoke with Dev Moore, who's the co-creative director of Beltzy, an experimental internet artist collective that produces Web3 and Metaverse projects. He's also a net artist, curator, and creative technologist. Feldstein started dabbling in internet native art back in 2011, mashed together hip-hop culture, internet art culture, and other forms of new media. The collective's identity has evolved alongside the tech that enables its art. We talked about how non-fungible tokens or NFTs and AI are contributing to that culture, as well as Felt's commitment to activism and inclusion and the various partnerships and installations that blur the lines between physical and digital realities. Hope you all enjoyed the conversation. Here we go. All right. Hey, Dev. Thanks for being here. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for inviting me um, and super glad to be here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so before we you know, dive into Feldstein and all of that work, I always like to start at the beginning, just learn a little bit more about, about you, about who you are, about where you're from, um, what your relationship to like music and art is, where that relationship began, and then you know, kind of work from there. Awesome, yeah. Um, so, you know, my name's Devin. Uh, I usually go by Dev a lot, um, Dev Moore. And uh, yeah, I'm essentially an internet artist, uh, creative director, digital strategist as well. Um, you know, I'm from Washington, D.C. in the Maryland, um, D.C. metropolitan area. Um, well, actually, I'm from North Carolina, but I moved to Maryland and D.C. when I was like, young. And uh, from there, you know, um, I moved to New York to be closer to um, the art scene and sort of like the uh, cliche intersection of art and technology space as well. Um, but yeah, I would say that that's kind of like you know, who I am. And of course, you know, like I'm extremely into internet art culture and its connection to um, both, um, you know, digital ecosystems and just technology in general. Um, So yeah, you know, super excited to like talk about those things. Oh, and then obviously, uh, yeah, I'm creative director at Feldstein as well. Um, Big art collective and essentially, you know, a really cool idea that um, my friend Mark and John and uh, essentially created a long time ago, and I joined maybe like six months after it was created, and uh, I've been there ever since. So yeah, cool, cool. Um, yeah. So where did your your interest in internet, you know, art culture, you know, when did that begin? Like, how did it start? What was like this? You know, what connections happened to you know, kind of draw you into that world? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I would definitely say. You know, when I was younger, I was always into experimental music. Um, I guess like living in the South, you're kind of always exposed to, at least from my perspective, uh, you know, hip hop and mm-hmm. essentially, you know, R&B and whatnot. But my mom was always kind of like a fan of, you know, slightly different versions of that type of music. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people in my family are big music fans as well. So like my aunt had a big um influence on the type of music I listened to. She would always play, you know, Tribe Called Quest and a lot of like 90s experimental hip hop as well. Um, So that's kind of like the early, you know, uh, exposure to that. And even as a kid, like I would listen to stuff that kids wouldn't really listen to. Like I would listen to like Earth, Wind and Fire all day and stuff. (laughs) Um, But yeah, fast forward to, I would say maybe high school and college. Um, you know, I'm really into just being on the internet, understanding art and the type of people that were making art, where they were from, you know, and, and how they're making this type of art that's, uh, you know, uniquely native to the internet. Because, you know, mm. in the early 2000s, sorry, in the early 2010s, um, you know, that was kind of like a new thing at that point. And it wasn't really respected by, you know, institutions or art mm. galleries, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, like, I didn't really have experience with making internet art, but I was just a huge fan of it. And I kind of went the route of being um, sort of a culture writer. So I kind of accessed, you know, this space by being a person that wanted to write as much as I could about emerging hip-hop artists, emerging uh, you know, visual artists. 
And uh, yeah, and then, you know, I, I definitely wrote for like a bunch of different hip hop blogs. I had pieces that landed on Two Dope Boys and All Right. There was even a blog called Championship No Wheaties. And to make it short, um, <laughs> I got fired by this one hip hop blog because they wanted to be, well, they wanted to lean into ads. And I just mm. kept doing stuff that I thought was meaningful to, you know, real artists and mm. artists doing like, artists expressing real things, not people that are just like, you know, pop artists that are just pushing, you know, the, the next big song to, for everyone to just listen to uh, blindlessly. But yeah, I got fired. And then, um, yeah, like my cousin actually told one of my friends, uh, sorry, my cousin told one of my future friends about it. And that's how I got to meet uh, both Mark and uh, John Diego from Feltzy. And they were just kind of like thinking about starting, um, you know, this idea that we essentially, you know, turned into, you know, Feltzy. But at the time, it was kind of just like a fashion magazine uh with elements of all these things that we all had in common so you know of course like hip-hop culture um mm. internet art culture or net art as well new media and uh yeah from that point on i you know uh, just started like figuring out what i could essentially do um within this within this uh, new space that was just you know kind of like growing and uh yeah like you know, I kind of like instantly realized like, oh my God, I love to, you know, document and talk about work that is, you know, super exciting. I love to show people exactly why something is so interesting. Mm. And then as I, you know, continued to do that, I started to just, you know, slowly learn how to make um, art myself, but from a very different style, I would say, because, you know, my style isn't necessarily in one program or, even, um, you know, in one particular art style, but it's kind of like across um, a ton of different mediums and a ton of different styles. Um, And yeah, I would say that kind of like my combination of digital strategy and understanding internet art culture, whether that's people using Blender, Unreal Engine, Mm -hmm. even just meme art culture, uh, has really helped us all to understand how to make art in such a evolving digital ecosystem but yeah, yeah. sorry that's a really long sentence <laughs> <So> <laughs> no, that was great that was great thank you for that um yeah so going back a few years to you know the origins of felt scene but it was a uh, 2011 right yeah 2011 2012 i would say between okay. that period <laughs> cool so what was it initially about you know kind of the vision that you know you met mark and john and they had already had were having these ideas like what what was it that you saw in it that you know that was really inspiring to you and then you know i'm curious you know after that you know if you could talk a little bit about you know the evolution of what felt scene has become you know because you know, over the past 11 years obviously there's been a lot of new technological new technological innovation that have that has of course informed a lot of the internet art culture awesome yeah um i would say that the first thing that sort of grabbed my attention was you know, once again, like I was fired. I didn't really care because I was just like, wow, that's like a really whack reason to be fired. (laughs) And then (laughs) from there, um, you know, my, my cousin told, uh, my, uh, told his friends, which were, you know, Mark and John, and, uh, I think they were drunk, but they were drunk hanging out in North Carolina. Uh, I was living in Maryland and essentially, well, sorry, they went, they were going, uh, they were attending the University of North Carolina, and I was, uh, you know, at University of Maryland, uh, Baltimore County, UMBC, and yeah, one night they just uh, called me, and it was Mark and a couple of people kind of like on the phone in the background, and <laughs> Mark called me and said, hey, hey, what's up, man? Yo, like, you know, my name is Mark, like, yo, I just want to say, like, I heard about that story, about you getting fired, I think that is so whack i think you know i'm paraphrasing but that was pretty much the energy and Mm. then from there he said yo i just want to let you know like you know i'm working on this thing you know it's a mix of net art culture it's a mix of hip-hop uh fashion experimental music Mm. and i'd love for you to be a part of it 
And the first thing that really caught my eye was, you know, just the word net art, because I was just like, what mm. exactly is that? And, you know, as I'm on the phone talking, I kind of just like go uh, on Tumblr and I, I look up kind of like, you know, um, it was kind of like a very early Feldstein Tumblr account. And I, and then I was just going on Facebook just to like explore like what what is that or what what is this guy talking about? And the first thing I see is that um, John, Mark, and a bunch of other friends that they might have had in school, there was a picture. And in the picture was just like maybe like 20 90s computers that were just like laying all over the place. So <laughs> imagine like walking into a room in, in, the, in the 2010s, of course. And, uh, and then there are like <laughs> technically like hundreds of just old computers laying around everywhere. And it was just such a bizarre picture to me. I was like, mm. what is going on? And it, it was just so intriguing to me, but it, it, it really inspired me because I was just like, wow, like, okay, this is just a random, uh, you know, like low quality picture of just a bunch of homies hanging out in a room full of like literally ancient computers. <laughs> but it was just something I had never seen before. <laughs> and it just looked so cool. And I, I couldn't like, it was just such an awesome photo, and and maybe it didn't mean anything to anyone else, but to me it was just like, oh, like I get it, like mm. I get what you know, I, I get what these guys mm. are about, and yeah, you know, instantly once I just like soaked in that photo, I, I just said like, yes, like let's do whatever, and um, you know, from there, um, <laughs> you know, we first kind of like started with just like trying to figure out exact like we kind of already knew the idea of what we wanted to do you know we were all people that had worked in journalism we were people that have worked in you know um, just like editing and also you know um, uh, we worked in other organizations that that were allegedly you know art centric and a lot of those organizations failed at doing all of those things so we were going to essentially be you know the counter to mm. that um, essentially, you know, the counterculture um, for, you know, creating an ecosystem for all those people that have had those issues. So we wanted to make sure that we created, you know, a space and also a space that is documenting culture so that no one else. Um, so that we wouldn't have to rely on anyone else to tell our story. So we wanted to be able to tell other people's story. Um, mm. give them access to be able to, you know, tell their stories and then make that the whole thesis of everything we do. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And then, um, you know, we kind of like at the time we probably only had, you know, Tumblr, a little bit of Facebook, but, you know, we started with Facebook and just being a, you know, direct uh, art to, to social media entity. And, and at the time that was kind of like odd and new. Um, mm. But it was it was great because, you know, at the time, Facebook was very um, group oriented, a lot of Facebook groups. So we utilized those types of um, communities to really connect people in different ways. So we created, you know, a felt zine, which was essentially an in, uh, interactive web page that mm. kind of encompassed um, a collaboration that we would do with an artist. And it would forever live on that particular page as long as our servers were up. So this was great because, you know, every week, um, essentially like weekly, bi-weekly, we would essentially have a new felt zine issue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these digital issues were great because, you know, it was a great way that people could each week celebrate a, um, an artist. So, you know, every week there was a dedicated artist that we were collaborating with mm -hmm. and people got to really understand their, their style visually um, you know, their upbringing, you know, how they got to this point in their, you know, artistic career. And yeah, and then of course, it was just, you know, documentation, spotlighting, and creation. And those were like, kind of the, 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 um, I can't think of the powder puff thing, sugar, sugar, spice, and everything nice, whatever. <laughs> that was, that was like the, the essential ingredients. Yeah. And then just like, from there, uh, we continued to do that, and it was a it was you know pretty pretty successful on you know Facebook, but we didn't really want to be subjugated to just one platform. So mm -hmm. you know I jumped into Instagram because at the time it wasn't really like I guess like 
Instagram wasn't really a thing where, you know, people were, you know, sharing art as well. Maybe like photographs and stuff, but definitely not like internet art like that. So mm-hmm. we pushed heavy, you know, out of Tumblr to Facebook, to Instagram. And, you know, we kind of built, you know, a consistent um, sort of, I guess you would call it just like an art content strategy from there. And that really worked for us. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we also would just connect it in a way where people could always go to our website to see the interactive issues mm-hmm. in full. Um, we also created ways that other people could contribute in terms of like helping to write, um, also like contributing music releases. And that was kind of just like, you know, the early felt scene. But um, fast forward maybe a couple of years and this has gone really well and stuff. And then, um, you know, we essentially had one invite to do an art show um, in New York. I think it was Power Plant. So I guess I'll say Power Plant um, or another gallery in New York. Um, Sorry, my memory, but, um, you know, it it kind of like gave us like the idea of like, oh, you know what? Like Feldstein is not just like something that, you know, exists on the Internet or on one platform or this social media network, that one. But it's it can be it can be, you know, um, I guess you would say, it can be manifested in any particular, you know, space, whether it's physical, digital, et cetera. So we kind of just started to create what we would call like 3D art parties, which were sort of a mix of, you know, what we do online, but in a physical space mm-hmm. and also doing it in an accessible way so that, you know, people that are from the art world, um, but maybe people that are also, you know, kind of like into art, but not in the art world, can still all commingle and and actually interact with what we're doing um, in a space and in a setting that uh, is in, is inviting to all. So mm. yeah, we just kind of started doing um, you know three D art parties in New York, um, specifically Brooklyn, um, for a couple of years, and it was great because we were connecting with the underground techno scene there in Jersey mm-hmm. club. So, you know, we got to do amazing art parties with like artists that are really big now, like Ace Manual, mm-hmm. LSD, XOXO, um, cool. Asmara. And, uh, and then we were able to even evolve that and take it to other cities too. So we started doing New York, um, LA. Um, we even did, you know, Houston, um, and yeah, and then from there, it was really great because we had all of these like interesting things that we were doing and we were able to incorporate artists in all types of ways. So, you know, we would have an L.A. show where we build a pyramid of 100 TVs and uh, we would collaborate with, you know, experimental analog video artists to mm. create an, um, something that would be like really interesting to watch as people are partying during the during the actual, uh, you know, show and stuff. And, um, you know, in New York, we would, we would kind of do a similar thing, but slightly different. So we might build a pyramid where artists are inside and um, actually like creating live visuals while people are walking around the space. And those are, you know, really awesome things that we did. And we were able to document it, um, invite people um, and do it in such an innovative way where, you know, no one was essentially doing that. And, uh, it even turned into even bigger shows too. So um, around 20, I think it was 2018 or 19, we collaborated with the fashion brand Diesel and did uh, an entire AR activated show where we created like an AR t-shirt where you scan the, sh- the shirt and then you can interact with 3D objects um, as you're holding the phone up to the shirt. And uh, and then as you're walking around the venue, you can also check out posters that would do the same thing, creating like unlockable, free, accessible 3D objects that people can uh, interact with. And then cool. the show was awesome because we had um, Duckwork performing. We had Mind Design from Stone Story Records performing. Mm. And uh, and yeah, and then we did an awesome collab with this, you know, kind of like, you know, iconic fashion brand as well. Um so yeah, that's kind of like the evolution of it before we got to like Web3. So, you know, I guess we're kind of old, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's not often that you come across organizations and collectives that have been doing, you know, creating internet art for this long. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people are kind of shoehorning their way into the world of NFTs. Um, whereas you've already been on the internet creating art, you know, for a long time and seen the evolution of, you know, from platform to platform, from like early Facebook to early Instagram. Um, I'm just curious when, when NFTs came on your radar, when, you know, kind of, kind of the aha web three moment, you know, for you and for Feldstein, when you realized that moving into the web three space could be, you know, could be a good route for you. Yeah. Um, I would say that it kind of started with um, you know, John Diego, who had been in the blockchain space already. Um, I think they had probably started working in the space from around 2017 or 2018. And um, at the time, you know, had no idea what he was doing. Um, you know, I was just like, oh, blockchain, great. And uh from there, um, I would say maybe around 2020, very early 2020, um, you know, right when the pandemic hit, you know, a big thing that we were always doing was that we had, you know, these very awesome, um, you know, 3R parties. And, you know, now it's, you know, just, you just can't do that. So, of course, you know, because we're internet based, we could still do, you know, what we always did online, but. Um, sort of the clicking moment was when um, you know John was speaking with uh, Mark and just kind of like showing these kind of early ideas of of uh, NFT marketplaces that were doing things. So you know, he was showing us um, you know what Super Rare is and, and how it works. He was uh, showing us um, you know kind of like the early iterations of Zora before it was out, mm -hmm. kind of just like what those people were thinking of of doing and working on and at the time you know um, it got to the point where we jumped in and we just kind of like you know decided to do something and uh mark actually started working on uh, this exhibition um with super rare because you know at the time it was really easy to get on there you just you know have a friend and just say like hey me and my uh friend are trying to get on super rare we also have like 20 people that we want to put on there too Mm. you invite us and, and it would be done in like a, a day or two like mm. very fun and um yeah and then mark uh you know kind of like was telling us about the idea um you know john was also like supporting it in terms of like showing us how to do it and stuff and for me like straight up like i was just kind of like concerned because at first you know i thought it was awesome I'm like oh wow like okay um nfts okay um we have to be on Twitter. That's interesting because we were we were not really big on Twitter at all. We weren't really into being on that platform uh, mm -hmm. at all, except to be like, you know, tweeting fun stuff, you know, unrelated to anything, just, you know, like shit posting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then like, you know, I helped work on kind of the digital strategy and the ideas um, in terms of just like how we were, we would release this, um, to the world, um, in terms of this virtual exhibition that we were working on, uh, was super rare. And yet my whole time at the, at, at the time was just like, okay, this is interesting, but why does it feel like we're dependent on a platform? Cause mm. you know, at the time it was, it was just kind of like super rare and maybe like a few others. And, you know, we uh it, the exhibition ended up being a virtual exhibition browser friendly it's called principia discordia um and you know you can type it into your browser and um the funny thing about this whole thing though is that um new art city which is a virtual art toolkit um where you can create you know virtual uh, experiences and they're browser friendly they're also it's also you know usable in terms of like universal design so people that might have um, sort of a disability, um, they try to make it accessible to the most amount of people in the best way. So they, mm. they kind of like built it to be, you know, equitable and accessible. But anyway, uh, even as we were building this exhibition for New York City, um, they actually didn't really know what NFTs were at all because, uh, you know, basically the exhibition as you're walking through it, you can click on an art piece, whether it's a, a 3D object or an image. And then you can collect it on super rare and everything. But 
it was just funny because it was so early and people had mm. no idea what was going on. And it was both great and and interesting because, you know, at the time people were just like, whoa, what in the world is this? You know, mm. to all of our fans on like Instagram and no one was mad. They were just mm. you know, confused. And then on, you know, on Twitter, you know, we're, we're trying to like access entirely new ecosystem of people that have that most you know most for the most part have no idea who we are because they're you know they're twitter based they're web3 based they're not from you know our our community on on, on instagram and facebook etc mm. um so it was really great because one it taught us like okay you know these platforms are great they they really help artists but the real magic is when you're able to essentially you know create your own ecosystem and your own platform that you can uh, control and being able to just, you know, whether you're an independent artist or collective, be able to have that type of autonomy, um, mm -hmm. creator autonomy for yourself. Um, so yeah, like, you know, even though that collect that um, collaboration was super awesome, you know, after that, um, my first like personal NFT was released on foundation um, on like mm. the first week that they were released. And it was so interesting because I was working on a music video with my friend, just kind of like, you know, I wanted to just do something cool and just like interesting without any type of, um, I guess you would say like, we just wanted to drop something on YouTube. And then I, you know, was reading about foundation. I, I knew that a couple of them followed me and were interested in those, like collaborating with them and whatnot. And I was like, okay, let's, let's just try this out. And, you know, I, I told everybody in our group chat and stuff like, Hey, like, okay, I have this music video. I was going to put it on YouTube, but like, let's just do both. Let's just put it on, um, you know, YouTube and this foundation thing, which is what I would say all the time. At the time. <laughs> and, um, I learned, you know, how to get a wallet. I learned how to uh, essentially, you know, put it online and everything. Actually, Mark put it online for me, but I learned it as I was, you know, trying to like make sure I wasn't getting, you know, hacked or fished or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the first week they came out, it was so interesting because, um, you know, it was auction style. Uh, once, once there's a bid, you know, there's a 24 hour clock or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, there were so many people bidding on, on my piece and I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never in my life thought that I would be sitting at my computer screen and watching people bid on an artwork that I worked on with my friends and then ended up selling for, um, I think like 1.5 ETH or 1.2 nice. ETH, something like that. Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was, it was very early. So like a lot, I would say that that was happening pretty often. Mm -hmm. um, for for anyone that was creating NFTs at the time, but it was just so bizarre and interesting to me. And from that moment on, I was just like, "Oh, okay, like this is cool," but I still feel like we're dependent on these platforms. Mm -hmm. But for now, you know, I think this is cool because it, it it works for everybody. You know, I was able to um, you know release this work. I wasn't, I didn't have to rely or care about views on it. I just right. got to really just, you know, release it. And then people that, that cared about it so much to the point where you know, they wanted to collect it and even bid against others to collect it was, hmm. was awesome to me. I saw, you know, I couldn't see anything really wrong with that. And um, yeah, and then, you know, around uh, a few months later, you know, Zora Protocol released. Um, we did a lot of collaboration with them, but it eventually got to a point where, you know, we realized like, oh, you know what, um, the real kind of magic about uh, Web3 is, well, it's a few things, but it once again, it's kind of just being able to have, you know, your own website where you can release your work and your own marketplace or your own art shop where you can facilitate these things and not being reliant on a marketplace to essentially do it where your art is next to like something totally unrelated, you know, like mm -hmm. maybe you don't want your artwork to be next to, um, you know, another artwork about, you know, like a, a board ape or something like that. 
Maybe mm. you want your art to be next to or conceptualized next to other art that you've created. So, you know, from there, we started looking into just the idea of generative art because at the time we were doing one of ones, you mm-hmm. know, different idea here, different idea there. And we quickly evolved into understanding that generative art is very, very interesting for, you know, blockchain technology because um, what it does is it essentially creates kind of a unique artwork within a collection of you know, unique but similar artworks. Mm-hmm. And that was really that was really groundbreaking, at least to me, because it kind of like made sense where for me where, you know, like you can create an idea and then people can, you know, support that idea but still be able to have a unique piece within that that collective idea. And I thought that was that that I thought that was just so poetic and and brilliant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I Obviously, like the early ideas of that are, you know, CryptoPunks, generative, um, you know, NFT project. But, you know, we kind of wanted to approach it in a way where we didn't have to just release one project and then just have to continue talking and, 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 and working on that one project. We wanted to do it in a way where, you know, if I have 100 ideas and I want to make 100 pieces of art, Mm-hmm. You know, I want to create a way where, you know, I can make uh, sort of generative collections around each idea and not have to worry about, you know, if I make a crypto punk collection, I got to I got to talk about this project and and make this the main project for the next 10 years or something like that. You know, we didn't yeah. want to do that. So. um, So, yeah, that that kind of gave us a lot of inspiration to how our sort of process works now where we have, you know, our drop pages where if we have a new project coming out, they're released on our individual drop sites. And then we create a very cool experience um, for those drop sites, whether it's kind of like choosing um, certain experiences. So, you know, like we have one project called the Gardens of Belzine Delights um, by Mark and Ty VHS and um, Max from Zora. And uh, it's great because you can log in, connect your wallet, and then you can pick heaven or hell. And that influences the actual mint that you end up minting later. Um, Yeah, and then we have other projects such as um, Houseplants by um, Feldstein. And, you know, when you go to that site, it's a 90s-inspired, pixelated-inspired webpage where, you know... very intuitive but it's just a really awesome experience as you're you know minting and um yeah like i once you you know minted a particular piece from us the other cool part is that now um we've made it so that if you go to our actual um, website feltzing.art you can see every collection that we've ever released but Mm. furthermore you can also be able to um buy sell collect explore do whatever you want um, regardless of the marketplace. So if you find a, a piece of ours from, from any of our um, collections, you can find that on our, our website. But then furthermore, um, it, our website allows you to understand, you know, where that piece is now. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to buy it, you can go ahead and do it. Um, but you can also like, you know, kind of like interact with our pieces um, on any marketplace all on our website without having to leave. So that's kind of like the really cool part that um, is kind of unique that our people aren't necessarily doing yet. And we did that with um, the support of Use First Mate, which is a really cool um, uh, builder collective that has done this for us, but also um, Sound XYZ, where they created their Mm -hmm. secondary marketplace. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're totally down with that wave where it's not about... um, I guess you would say it's not about like choosing which marketplace or protocol you want your art to be mm-hmm. uh, you know, facilitated on the secondary markets of the world, but all of the protocols, all of the marketplaces that have, you know, transparency and clarity and, and how they work, you know, you, you should be able to use all of them, but that shouldn't be the focus when it comes to an artist. You should be able to not fully abstract that away, but let you know the art be the focus and then totally. you know the back end or the infrastructure be clear so yeah right the technical implementation details 
um, you know, doesn't make a ton of sense for the, those to be the focus, you know, around an art project, you know, that makes a ton of sense. Um, so I'm curious, I was, you know, as I was going through the website um, and like looking through the art, there's a ton of cool stuff there. And it, um, I'm curious, you know, I've seen you lean in to some more AI generated, you know, artwork. And obviously that's a big topic of a topic of discussion, you know, especially the past couple of weeks with like, you know, seeing Lenza and everybody's going nuts about Lenza. And I'm curious just to get your your general thoughts on AI generated art. Like what is AI's role um within art? Like how can the two be how can they you know work together in harmony? Just curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but I don't even know where to start with that one. But, <laughs> it's a big uh, one. <laughs> yeah, um, at least for me, you know, I would say that I'm relatively new to AI. I've probably been dabbling with it for maybe, mm, I don't know, like two, three months, something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, like my first exposure to it was, uh, you know, a project that uh, Mark and uh, Ty VHS led, um, which was the Gardens of Belzine Delight. And um, the project was interesting because it blended, um, I guess you would say, like two different art styles, really more, but um, the essential two in that were that um, every character in that project was a 3D object in the form of, um, you know, Cinema 4D uh, created characters. So, you know, like um, it was like, I won't say like hand drawn, but like it was kind of like a more traditional digital art creation of a 3D object. Hmm. And then the backgrounds in particular were all artificially generated. So if you go through that particular project, the Gardens of Felsing Delights, you notice that um, all of the backgrounds have this like heavenly touch to them, whether it's a desert or a garden or clouds. And uh, it was awesome because, you know, we, uh, essentially, in a lot of our projects, we use Python programming to um, uniquely combine all of those things. But it was great mm -hmm. because now, um, you know, all of our projects do tend to be generative, but they were now like generative in, in a, a very unique way. So it was almost like uh, dancing with a machine almost. Um, but it, it was a great project because it showed how, you know, AI doesn't have to necessarily be something that's like, hyper-realism. It can be something that's, you know, surreal, kind of a mix between all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it can be combined with, you know, different styles. It doesn't, things don't have to be like purely AI. Things don't have to be purely hand-drawn or, or digitally um, generated with like a traditional 3D art software like Blender or something like that. All of these things are possibilities in, in, in creating art and they're all mediums. But you know, for me, uh, I just kind of like started exploring with easy interfaces because at first I was just annoyed because I'm like, wait, you have to use Google Collab and, you know, like um, all these like wild setups to, to make um, AI art. This is like kind of difficult. I don't really like, you know, I'm a big fan of UX design and, and just like a good user experience. And mm. it, it just really put me off because... I, it wasn't that I didn't care about AI art or I thought it was problematic. I, those weren't the things at all because, um, yeah, I can get into that later. But <laughs> essentially for me, it was just like, oh, like the user experience for this is not that great. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I guess like the click for me was when um, John really showed me this one website called Replicate. And Replicate is basically where, you know, someone can create um, sort of an idea. So maybe they're building like... Um, you know, kind of like a good example is like, um, you know, stable diffusion exists. Mm. And that's like an open source, uh, you know, AI model that was created in response to closed source ones like Dolly and and other ones that were kind of like, you know, oh, we're not going to let you essentially build on this just yet. We're not going right. to fully open this, all that stuff. So stable diffusion was kind of like a response to that where we're going to make a, you know, open source one that everyone can build on and and you know it's accessible to all so replicate is great because it's basically a, a clean user interface for those models so they make it really easy just like when you go to you know dolly and try to create an image 
they do the same thing on Replicate for uh, stable diffusion. And then from there, you can also, they also have other particular um, parameters that you can, you know, twist and turn. So it's, it's almost like um, going to a website, easily being able to just understand things because the interface is nice. You know, that's the whole premise behind, you know, the iPhone and when and all these other technologies that we use nowadays are, they have great design, they're, they're intuitive, and it helps the creator understand what they're doing. And that's what Replicate does. Um, but, you know, from there, you know, I was having a great time with all of these, like, uh, cool things that people were just building for anyone to use. So, like, there were, um, you know, models uh, that you could use where you, know, you could create an infinite image. There was, like, in-painting um, and out-painting, which are, like, processes where you can kind of, like, expand an image. Um so like you have like a square image, you can continue to like build border, like new uh, sort of like image generation around it. I guess like a good example is like, if you have a picture of the Mona Lisa, you know, everyone knows what the Mona Lisa looks like, but maybe you want to like make that picture bigger and show like more of that, that world that she's in, make the, make the photo literally like larger and, uh, cool. and show like the, yeah, the outer edges. So, yeah. you know, that's that's what, like, really made me interested in in AI because I'm like, oh, my God, like, I get it. You can take these pre-existing things and then you can augment them, you know, like, totally. uh, you can create nuance within them. And uh, and then, um, you know, like, for me, I, I think using Replicate, Dolly, MidJourney uh, got me to a point where I started to just kind of, like, get the idea of being able to you know, create art in this way where, you know, it's very like keyword heavy, um, but also like understanding which keywords um, create, you know, certain changes and then being able to kind of like understand that and talk to a machine. And that's kind of like the whole idea of just, um, I don't know, like human computer interaction in general, just right. being able to understand, you know, how computers um interact with with humans but also just like how you're communicating with uh, a machine as well is, is very important um so yeah like <laughs> i thought like for a lot of my uh ai particular pieces um i like to kind of like put those things against each other because you know people have you know people do have that issue with like um stable diffusion because i saw this meme going out where people were saying um you know, don't use Linza because it uses stable diffusion, which is uh, an AI that steals art from other artists. And I thought that was just like such a misguided meme because, you know, it's just like one Linza, you know, I think that they do have responsibility in being, you know, sure that their particular application that's built on an open source AI model is, you know, not stealing from artists but mm -hmm. beyond that you know anyone has access to use stable diffusion and build on top of it but it doesn't mean that every person that's creating ai art um is essentially stealing from an artist you know like a lot of times you know you can train your own generations based on your own images or sometimes you know whatever you're generating isn't necessarily based um on uh, essentially like another artist's specific work sometimes it's five billion images that you know whatever you're creating is being trained on but you know besides all of that um you know i really think that the technology in general is just a reflection of our times you know like if ai mm -hmm. exists and you know I, I think it's okay for artists to be able to express themselves in that medium you know and yeah. um yeah, and then, um, you know, at least for me, a lot of my pieces that I've been making lately, um, I really love it because I kind of, like, try to, like, pit things against each other. So, you know, I'm a big fan of, like, taking the idea of AI art and showing hyper-realism, but sort of imperfections in hyper-realism. Mm. And then also kind of, like, pitting that against things that people love. So, like, you know, the unimaginable or people in particular spaces and places that people have not necessarily seen, whether it's, you know, something as simple as someone uh, doing something on earth and, and just like a different person that 
that isn't usually in that particular environment doing it. Um, mm. Yeah, I would just say that like combining all of those essential sort of like ideas is really interesting because sometimes people will see the piece and they're greatly inspired because you know they might have hated AI, but they see what type of inspiration it can give them um, mm-hmm. and other people. And then, you know, other times people are just, you know, take another route and they're just, you know, highly uncomfortable with just the idea of something that is um, extremely hyper real or just like, you know, in terms it's just it's hyper realism. But they can they can you know, they can't distinguish it. And they're sort of afraid of the future in which, you know, they won't be able to tell what's real or not, regardless of, you know, if they go to the movies and see all these other you know, films that, that probably use better technology anyway. I would say that that's kind of like what gives me a lot of interest in AI art right now, just the fact that um, it's sort of a fight between hyper-realism and uh, people like calling out things that aren't hyper-real. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times I'll leave imperfections in a lot of the works that I uh, create just as a way to, you know, give it, give a hint that it's, you know, it's not what I guess you would say, like, real or not. But, um, right. but yeah, like, I mean, I guess I'm rambling, but, yeah, those are kind of, like, my, my reasons for and sort of my uh, inspirations for using AI. It's also just, you know, as people commonly say, um, it's a great way to just kind of, like, get initial ideas out and uh, mm-hmm. kind of getting, you know, different concepts out. And um, yeah, and I think that I think that that's fair and cool, you know, whether someone wants to use it as just essentially, you know, mood board inspiration, or if people want to do full fledged pieces, whatever that may be, um, or using it in some other instance too, like um, you know, people are using AI in Blender to generate textures on you know 3D objects, and people are. I have this one app where you can just go outside and scan anything like you walk around a car and then it gives you a 3d object of it in like a few minutes and you can wow. import that in the blender and then you can there's another ai app i have where you can you know put your camera in the corner and just start like making moves like let's say you're boxing and you record that for five seconds and then you mm-hmm. can take that a video and turn that into you know a blender animation where you put that on a 3d object is it's just really cool stuff that yeah it's just like really cool stuff that makes um creating art easier but of course you know like with everything there is there is a balance between it so of course like you know a lot of people are upset that you know this new technology makes them uncomfortable and um you know it reminds me of kind of like when we started making internet art a lot of people would just say like oh like you know digital art is in real art or oh like you're just making you know you're creating 3d objects um in the year of 2013 and 14 and you know this is taking the place of people that are you know photographers and and going outside and stuff just like you know weird predict weird weird comparisons and circumstances of people saying stuff like that and um to me it's yeah it's just not really that new i guess like it was it, it seems like it's um you know this the same the core idea is that artists are uncomfortable with their you know with what they do uh being challenged by new technology making it possibly easier um but you know, I would just say that, you know, with new things comes, you know, new opportunity to create change or, or doing things differently. So, you know, totally. I, I, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, people have the opportunity and should have the opportunity to use whatever medium, you know, they really want as long as it's not like, you know, literally hurting other people. But <laughs> in terms of an AI being able to be trained on someone's art, you know, humans do that every day. Uh, you know, so, you know, it's a, it's a complicated uh, matter. But, yeah, I would just say in terms of, of internet art, you know, I, I definitely love AI artists. I love digital artists, photographers, people that make 3D art, people that paint, 
there's no sort of like <laughs> discrimination on on how people choose to be creative you know so that's my yeah point. yeah totally thank you for that um there's some really good ideas and use cases in there i think and you know one of the things that remind me of was the argument that like you know once once you know musicians and artists you know in the music world started to use a synthesizer and like you know introduce electronics into the music there was a similar argument of like oh now this is like is this real music like like you know people don't have to try as hard you know whatever and and you know that feels like a similar argument but really at the end of the day like you're saying it's you know it's a tool it's a new tool and it can be used in ways that that can enhance creativity and and enhance the way that we do things and create new use cases like you know the mona lisa thing where you can like hone in on the environment is super cool and you know of course there are implications for that that like like any tool it can be used nefariously and there are some implications when it comes to like the way that people traditionally create art and are compensated for art but you know i guess you know to your point it's not necessarily a new a new argument by any means definitely cool and yeah one other you know one last thing that i just wanted to touch on was was um you know i know that that within feldstein activism has been you know a big part of the work that that you've done and i'm just curious to hear a little bit more about kind of the intersectionality of art and activism you know within feldstein and the role that that plays yeah definitely um you know for us um we definitely approach it in a way where we want the way that we create art um to be things that you know art traditionally isn't you know i guess like a good example is you know most of the art <laughs> at least in 20th century 20 early 21st century was sort of in this way where you know it's rarefied art selected by rarefied individuals and from there just rarefied for other rarefied individuals to get and we want to make sure that you know with everything that we do that one um, you know, even with the types of contracts that we're using, um, the type of NFT drops that we're releasing, that they're all done in an open and accessible way. Um, and nothing that's like entirely, you know, like gatekept and whatnot. Um, and then secondly, you know, in the, I guess you would say in the early like 2010s, mid 2010s, all the way up to now, um, a core part of how we create our art was also a form of activism too, because every particular software that we use for our projects is um, either accessible or downright, you know, free. So, you know, I would say 90% of our projects are done with Daz 3D, Blender, softwares that people can easily get their hands on mm -hmm. and be able to, one, be inspired and also to be able to actually, you know, do it from there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like, you know, throughout the years, we've done tons of things where, you know, whether it's standing up and creating art that is countercultural, um, being one thing, but also being able to just help younger people too. So we have tons of ways that we have created art shows that have uh, leaned towards up and coming artists. Um, I guess like just in the type of art we do because we're counterculture it's always kind of been a form of activism as well because mm, um, mm. we're just kind of like speaking towards things that people just aren't saying in general. Um, but yeah, like uh, even today, you know, we're working on ways that we can create um, almost a school for Web3 where we're teaching people how to code, um, how to create digital art and how to create um, Web3 oriented systems. And then we're also trying to figure out also um, very like interesting ways to create like mentorship and opportunities. But yeah, like I, I guess like our best and latest uh, and greatest example is just, um, you know, with every project we do, um, majority of them are probably say like 80 or 90% of them. Uh, we collaborate with up and coming artists um, and people from underrepresented communities, mm -hmm. whether that's someone that is, you know, in America, um, at, in a underrepresented community or someone that's all the way in, you know, Eastern Europe and whatnot. Um, but in doing so, um, we've created a lot of avenues for people to be able to have um, fulfilling careers after they collaborate with us. So, um, you know, even with one of our latest projects, 
uh, we created it in a way where we're connecting with uh, certain DAOs. So uh, we collected, we connected with a developer DAO and we pretty much like dived into that particular community and found people that were aiming to create a project um, and work on a project uh, that's also like meaningful and, and, you know, fulfilled in creativity and not just like some traditional like web two product that's just meant to, you know, pump the stock of a company or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially in working with uh, these up and coming and emerging developers, um, it's been really awesome because, you know, we released one collection and we created a portfolio in which that particular artist was able to get, you know, a role at a full-fledged uh, Web3 company just based off, you know, the work that they've done with us. So we kind of keep those as like core principles where, you know, we're working with people from a multitude of different backgrounds and mm-hmm. also um, identities, but also just like perspectives too. Um, yeah. And then, you know, in doing so, uh, it's been really awesome because, you know, like I would say we have this one collection called Houseplants by Feldstein, and uh, it's a collaboration with uh, Mick31, which is a really cool uh, pixel artist uh, based in, you know, Twitter and, and Instagram and Web3 and everything. And um, I guess like around February or March of 2022, um the ukraine and russia uh crisis occurred right. and it was really crazy because um you know like that artist was essentially based there and the one thing that kind of um really helped them you know well i will say the one like web3 based in, uh, idea that really helped them was just the fact that they had an nft collection with us that was actually like being um uh, that was actually able to sustain them and protect um, the type of funds that they needed during that time because, you know, a lot of banks were closed, a lot of banking processes weren't uh, active, but, you know, they actually, you know, had funds from a project that, you know, they worked on with us and that was still actually open. So a lot of people were able to support, um, you know, this particular artist just by buying a, a houseplant by Felsian NFT. Cool. And, you know, the sales, because, you know, we have like, uh, contracts that automatically do everything uh, in terms of like allocating funds to um, creators, it was able to actually like help him, you know, have more funds that were, you know, uh, not connected to a bank that might be closed tomorrow and was able to be on, you know, a particular network that where they could actually like use that money regardless of whether wherever they may be. So, right. yeah, I, I would just say like just the fact that we're able to collaborate with just such a diverse range of different artists, but ones that aren't big already, ones that are emerging, ones that are um, from underrepresented communities that haven't necessarily been heard yet, um, has really given us a lot of uh, positive energy just because you know people are able to see artists do things um, on the internet that they usually don't. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my answer in terms of um, you know, like activism. So yeah, totally. No, that's really cool. I really love that. It's you know really important work that I think you're doing, and the way you're incorporating, you know, myriad people from you know different backgrounds all over the world, different identities. It's really cool and has really resulted, I think, in you know a really robust you know collective. I just have one more question for you, and it's um, I I know our conversation has been oriented more of around art generally, but as this is typically typically focused on music and Web3, I always ask someone a music question at the end, and it's, um, you're going to a desert island, you get to bring three albums with you. What are they? <laughs> oh my God, okay. It's an impossible uh, question, it's an impossible question, no pressure, just whatever three comes <laughs> to mind. I'm not gonna hold you to this. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, three albums, okay. One would be mm, Food by MF Doom. Okay. Nice, nice. Uh, the, the next one would be mm, Blue Note um, by Madlib. Cool. I'm sorry, it's actually called Shades of Blue by Madlib. Cool. <laughs> and the third album would probably be 
this is hard. Uh, <laughs> shoot, I'm gonna throw one out there. I'm gonna say uh, Kid C Ghost by Kid Cudi and Kanye West. I really like that EP. Even though it's short and this island, pro I'll probably be there for a while. So I might have to listen to this <laughs> one a lot. Uh, no, 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 this is a great three. This is a great three. Um, thank you for that. I know I put you on the spot there, but uh, that's kind of the point. So. <laughs> um, awesome. Cool. Well, Dev, it's been really great speaking. Really appreciate your time, and um, you know, encourage everyone listening to to go check out Feltzine. It's a really amazing community, um, and you know, wish you only the best. Thank you so much. All right, that's it for this episode of Big Brother and the Hodling Company. I'm your host, McKeegan Voice, and you can keep up with me and all the latest Web three music trends on Twitter at McKeegan. That's M-A-C-E-A-G-O-N. This show is a production of Decentral Media. And you can visit us at Decentral.io. And remember, only you can prevent and fend off. Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs>